Welcome to the first in our new series, Listen, Learn, and Lead, interviews with our leaders throughout Naval Post and Graduate School here in Monterey, California. For our first interview, we have with us Mr. Glenn Woodbury, the director of the Center for Homeland Defense and Security. Good morning, Glenn. Good morning. Tell us a little bit about yourself and about your background as you then came to, to be the director here. Sure. I grew up in New Jersey, uh, went to school there, went to high school there, and then went to Lafayette College in eastern Pennsylvania. I started off with the idea that I'd be a hardcore mechanical engineering, um, but that changed quickly in my, my freshman year when I joined ROTC and took a, took a different path. Uh, I was commissioned second lieutenant in the, in the Army in 1985. I uh, spent four years in West Germany, uh, <laughs> the Federal Republic of Germany, actually, yeah. um, and then came back to Fort Lewis, Washington for my command. After I finished that, I decided I wanted to do something different, um, and I somehow fell into emergency management at the state of Washington um, and worked for them for, for 12 years, eventually becoming the director there. Well, now, tell us about, then, the origins of the center here. The idea of the center occurred before September 11th, so a lot of people link uh, September 11th to the center itself, and certainly uh, that provided uh, quite an uh, impetus to, to, to begin something here. Um, but 1998, the Department of Justice did a study um, following the events through the 90s, uh, the Federal Murrah uh, building bombing, uh, the First World Trade Center bombing, and thought that, you know, the world is changing. Um, and we need to teach our leaders better. And they discovered that there is no graduate education, uh, and really no undergraduate education, for what were to become the leaders of Homeland Security. Uh, so the Navy Postgraduate School was in discussions with the Department of Justice at the time. They said, you know, this is a place to do that. Um, we have all the, the curriculum here. We have the leaders here. We have faculty here who can teach the elements of Homeland Security and what we think it will become. Um, and then um, when the center started, we said we need the best and the brightest uh, to attend this class. Well, now we hear the local residents, the SEALs, and so why are we here at the uh, Coast Guard Pier in Monterey with all of this background, but what is it about the background of these boats and about what the Coast Guard does uh, within the center? Well, the Coast Guard has been a primary partner of ours uh, since they even became part of the Department of Homeland Security. The Coast Guard, to, to me, is emblematic of um, the utmost in interrelationships, uh, interdisciplinary uh, uh, relationships. Uh, the Coast Guard uh, in wartime is part of the military. They're part of the Department of the Navy. When they're not in war, they're part of the public safety community. Um, they have to work with the local uh, officials, state officials, federal officials, and the private sector uh, all the time. Uh, they're really emblematic of, of a, a diverse approach uh, to leadership in, in a complex world. So that's a great lead-in to my next question, Glenn, is that you have Coast Guard in your classes, but you also have federal, state, and local, provincial, uh, municipality leaders in your classes, and the diversity of the classes is quite remarkable. Right. Tell us about that. The diversity is very intentional. Um, we don't think that uh, people can learn well within their stovepipes. And, and there are a lot of programs, a lot of training programs out there to make uh, individual skills uh, uh, very proficient and, and very expert. Uh, we are looking to bring different perspectives, different biases, uh, different experiences into a classroom so that people can learn from each other. Um, we're about the creation of knowledge uh, so that uh, an FBI agent takes some information from a firefighter who takes information from a public health official, and they combine and they come up with their own, um, I guess, theories yeah. of how to approach leadership. Um, they argue a lot, and that's a really good thing. Um, they're, they're actually very rare experiences out there in the real world where the different disciplines um, operate effectively together 
uh, without some prior relationships. Um, so we would provide them, uh, whether it's 18 months in our, our graduate program um, or nine months in our executive programs, that experience of, of how to interact and how to relate uh, to people who aren't from your own world. So that then, of course, leads to the next question. Are there stories, uh, one or two stories, about how any of your students sought to solve problems within the classroom, or they reached back, or they went from the classroom to a, a problem? And, what, and uh, one or two stories about your students. Uh, multiple examples. Uh, even right now, as, as we're working through COVID, um, we are putting our alumni together, with our students actually, um, from different disciplines. Um, and we're uh, enabling them to talk to each other about their experiences as they move through the COVID. So uh, the firefighters are, are listening to public health officials talk about the science and, and the data. Um, and, and the uncertainty of the science and the data. Uh, we have a, a law enforcement officer who's talking to emergency managers um, about how we're going to organize for this, how we're going to provide logistics for, for this type of coordination. Um, we have people reaching back to academia and research. Uh, they're reaching back to our library uh, for information so that they can make better decisions in the field. But these decisions are informed by this, this broad perspective and, and broad experience base uh, that they gain from each other. And we build that in the classroom, and then we continue that when they become alumni. And they become part of this, this larger family and community of, of interest to solve large homeland security problems. Well, now again, you lead me to my, to my next question. Uh, when I've been with your alumni and with your students, it is pretty extraordinary they're continuing networking with each other. And the character of alumni would be the envy of many places. Talk about that alumni network and what they're doing when they're not in your classroom. The, the network is amazing. Um, full credit to Heather Isvarin, who, who is kind of the lead of that and, and, and the primary node of, of bringing people together and make sure these relationships last. Um, but it begins in the classroom. Um, we build um, a cadre of people who go through a, a shared experience together. Um, you know, it's not a physically shared experience like maybe the Marines or, or, or Navy sailors go through or the Army. It's an intellectually difficult shared experience. Sometimes they get along and sometimes they don't, but they always walk away with stronger relationships with each other and, and with a strong cohort. Um, so they walk out with a very strong um, community uh, just within, the, within their class, within their cohort. Um, but now that they, they know how to build this cohort and these relationships, they then broaden that to the entire alumni. So there's this sense of trust that people have gone through this experience. And if they put something out there, um, even if it's just an idea, that they're not sure it's going to work or not, they, they don't have fear of retribution. They don't have fear that someone is take that idea and put it out there for, for general consumption when it's not ready for general consumption. And when you bring alumni back, my experience is that, is that they also are refreshing their networking as they seek to, to talk about current problems in whatever those might be. Right, so, so every year we have an a annual, annual professional exchange, um, and we even give uh, uh, continuing education credits for it. It brings the alumni back to the Naval Postgraduate School in Monterey, to, 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 to the mothership, yeah. <laughs> to home station, yeah. where they learned how to um, argue and how to absorb knowledge and how to create knowledge. Um, and every year we bring them back. And, and we bring up the current events, current speakers, mostly from the alumni themselves. What are you experiencing out there in this complex world? And, and what do you want to share uh, with your colleagues? Uh, we get about 10% of our total alumni base uh, returning to campus every year. Um, that's pretty good. If you, if you look yeah, at any university, any, any college across the, the country gets 10% of their alumni back once a year. That, that's a pretty amazing thing. And I, and I have to say is that when I've been there, they laugh with each other, they kid each other around, and the camaraderie is really very authentic and genuine. Right, right. You also have um, another way to reach back, and that is through your extraordinary Homeland Security Digital Library. Can you talk about that a little bit? 
Our Homeland Security Digital Library began um, because there, there was a gap in a knowledge base. Um, when, when we began our program, uh, we were the first program in the country that had uh, a college degree, uh, let alone a master's degree in, in Homeland Security. Um, and we were asked to basically start um, that body of knowledge, but start that community of interest in Homeland Security and Defense and Emergency Management. One of the big gaps was you couldn't reach anywhere to find um, you know, periodicals, articles, uh, research papers, data, evidence uh, in one place. Uh, so the sponsor at the time asked us to, uh, well, you create it. Um, and create it in such a way that people can reach back to it no matter where they are, uh, not just in the country, but in the world. Uh, so we built an online digital library, a digital research library. Uh, it's, all the articles are vetted um, by librarians that we actually hire here locally. Uh, they're from local colleges here, uh, mostly graduate students uh, who are are librarians. They work for us part-time, and they're, they're just incredible. Uh, we have over 200,000 holdings now uh, in the library and accessible pretty much from anywhere in the world. So you're talking about networking, about being in class, about uh, uh, distance learning, about short courses, and about uh, low residency, and about all those things with the modality of, the, of your offerings. But ultimately, we're talking about making leaders and affecting leaders. Could you talk about what that means in, in the context of the center? Our primary intent isn't necessarily to teach a leadership course. Um, and, and we look at it in, in kind of three different ways when you, when you think about our three primary communities. Um, we work with executive leaders, uh, so people who are already at the top of their pyramid, you know, the number one or two in the top of their hierarchy, and we bring them back and we try to turn them into students. Um, we try to, to make them... Um, think about what else is out there, what are the perspectives out there, what knowledge is out there uh, that maybe they're missing, and how to think differently uh, in a changing world. We have our master's students who are generally mid-career, um, and we talk to them about um, being better leaders through better critical thinking, um, through better evidence-based decision-making, uh, through better relationships uh, with each other, uh, with other cohorts, uh, with people across the country who are, who are dealing with the same types of things that they're dealing with. Yeah, I think that one of the things that you've said uh, in the past is that you're not making leaders as much as you're making uh, leaders as students and making students of leaders and lifelong learners, which I think is, oh, is as part of this whole notion that you're learning constantly even as a leader. So what's fascinating is when you talk to our graduates, uh, whether it's executive programs but certainly the master's program, and you ask them, so what'd you get out of it? Uh, very rarely do they say a piece of paper. It really is a life-changing experience. Uh, when I went through the program, um, it didn't take halfway through that I was changing the way I thought about things. I was changing the way that I had dialogue with people. I was changing the way I engaged with people about policy and strategy. Um, and frankly, I was becoming uncomfortable with where I was and who I was previously. Um, it, and we see our graduates feeling that same thing. So, so that kind of reflection has to lead to uh, the, the, the question, as a leader and as somebody who has passion about this, what is your vision for the future of CHDS uh, and its role in America? Right. I'd like to talk a little bit about the, the evolution, or start with where we, where we started. Um, we began the program, and, and this is recognized um, pretty broadly um, by both research and, and by the sponsors who wanted to start this program, is that uh, each of the disciplines and the leadership with those disciplines primarily talk to, to, to themselves, or they talk to, within their silos and within their stovepipes. Uh, they may come together on, on crisis and, and some policy arguments, um, but generally they operated kind of from their own, own, own tribes to, to, to a large degree. Uh, so the center's first job was to, to break down those barriers, um, to encourage uh, argument, to encourage relationships uh, across disciplines, across levels of government, 
uh, and across perspectives and experiences. And, and we've done that. Um, and I think you can see that throughout the, the public safety and public health community uh, right now. You, you see uh, much closer bonds between these people. Okay, so, so then, so where do we go with that? Um, the world is becoming more and more complex. Uh, crisis is becoming more and more complex. Um, experience is still important, but it's not as reliable as it was before because situations keep changing um, um, too frequently, too rapidly. Um, so we want to build leaders who don't just survive in this increasing complex world, but who, who can thrive in that. Uh, the decision-making uh, within the domains of, of, of humanity, um, technology, and, and, and the environment. Um, being able to, to sense-make, being able to, to think about things before they happen, to, to take, a, take a step back um, and, and lead from a place uh, that is different than maybe how we've led before. Glenn, tell us about the influence of some of your alumni on strategies, policies, operations, some of the things that really have had an impact. Wow. It, there are so many. Uh, so, so let me pick, pick out a couple uh, that we're you know, extraordinarily proud of. Um, one is um, the leadership of the Fire Department of New York, um, of the 17,000 member department uh, you know, servicing you know, the New York City, all its bureaus. Um, they have about 24 executives. Of those 24 executives, 17 are alumni of the Center for Homeland wow. Defense and Security, uh, including the chief. Uh, John Sucknick, uh, a, a great person, um, is, is an alumni of our master's program. Um, and he's taking what he, what he learned in our program and influencing changes uh, with that incredibly important um, and, and large department. Um, Another example I, I would use would be Mike Basati. Uh, he was the chief of police for New Windsor, uh, New York. Uh, he had a passion about uh, the, the mentally ill and how they're treated by law enforcement. Uh, his thesis was, was trying to address that issue, and he was very passionate about it. Uh, he wrote his thesis, um, and then he took that to legislators, uh, both at the, the state and the federal level, and started to influence change. Um, and his thesis became the impetus to what was called, what is called Kendra's Law in the state of New York that, that Governor Cuomo took up. Um, and that continues to this day as, as he talks about that, and it makes movement within uh, the congressional um, environment as well. That is just fantastic. So, Glenn, we talked a lot about various uh, alumni who come from all manner of agencies within the United States government and mm -hmm. states and everything else. Tell us a little bit about uh, the organizations that sure. really have been very active with the center. Yeah. So our partnership with organizations and agencies at all levels of government is, is truly important. So we're not here just to educate the individuals. We're, we're here to help them make their departments stronger. Uh, so some examples, uh, the Fire Department of New York uses um, the graduates of the Center for Homeland Defense Security, whether it's their master graduates or the executive graduates, as part of their succession plan. Uh, so they promote based upon the, the, the credibility uh, of the degrees that they get here. Uh, we see more and more agencies across the country using a graduate of the Center for Homeland Defense Security at the Naval Postgraduate School as a preferred requirement for their applicants. Um, and that is, that's fairly unique, picking, picking one school out of, of all those that are out there um, as a preferred requirement or a preferred qualification. Well, I want to thank you, Glenn, for being our first interview in, in this series. I also want to thank the United States Coast Guard, not only for letting us use their pier and listening to the sounds of, of the great area of Monterey, but also to the Coast Guard for what they do every day in support of this country and in support of those who, who really need their services. We as, as a country are well served by this extraordinary, extraordinary service called the Coast Guard. 
This will be the first of our series, and we invite you to all the other series, because this is about listening, learning, and leading in America for the sake of the purposes of national strength and what we are as a great country.